0: If I've learned one thing during the last year that we've worked on this podcast, it's that, no matter how diverse our experiences are, the themes of our experiences remain markedly similar. Hope, that's a big one. Determination, for sure. Love and loss. And one that always stands out to me isolation. How easy it is for us to be going through something and feel like we're the only ones. How difficult it can feel to answer the question, how is everything going? in a way that feels honest, but not awkward. But just as frequently, when we do answer honestly, once we open our mouths and talk about the hard things, how quickly we realize that so many people feel what we feel, how we're not alone, not even close.
1: Today is one such story, but to Valerie's point, it's not just one story, it's two. But we'll start at the beginning. I'm Lizzie Heiselt. And
0: I'm Valerie Best.
1: And this is Cocoon, stories of gestation.
2: Who are you? I'm Annie, a pal. Full disclosure,
0: Annie's my sister.
2: Oh, I'm a, I'm a social worker. I live in Arizona. How long have you been married? A little over two years. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Longer than Avril Lavigne and that guy from Some 41. So, mission accomplished. <laughs> More disclosure,
0: this is actually our second interview with Annie. The first one we did a few months before this, maybe six months before, after she'd gone through a miscarriage.
1: In that interview, she told us she and her husband had been married about a year when they decided it was time to have children.
2: How'd that go? Um, we... Not great. It was kind of slow going. We, yeah, we tried for like eight months, I think. And then, and then I got pregnant and then I had a miscarriage and then we kept trying. So I like, it took like over a year. I had two. Well, yeah, I technically, I guess two miscarriages, but. Okay. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Um, The first one was more traumatic. Like I had gone to one, one uh, sonogram. I feel like I should know the name of that. And knew I was pregnant, and then I went at 10 weeks again. I went at 10 weeks, and then the heart just, like, had stopped beating. So it was hard to see, like, the little picture. And then, like, the... Like, he gave me a choice about whether to have a DNC or just kind of wait it out, and I chose to wait it out for a little bit, and and so the actual, like doing like naturally it passing was really painful and kind of traumatic so and then the second one was very brief found out I was pregnant I had a blood test and then like the next day I started my period so it wasn't as like traumatic or hard I guess
0: do you were you disappointed I mean do you feel like the first one kind of steeled you against it or did you feel the disappointment the second time as well
1: Oh, I felt disappointed the second time as well, for sure. hmm It was this story we discussed during our first interview with Annie. But during this interview, Annie was 20 weeks pregnant, and she had a different story to tell. Given the two unsuccessful pregnancies, when Annie called me to tell me that she was
0: pregnant, I was really happy to hear it and said something to that effect. You know, like, yay. Annie's response was pretty stony, so I dialed it way, way back and talked about her new cat which is a rescue, but as Annie tells it,
2: who rescued whom?
0: And he didn't ask anything else about the pregnancy. Annie gives a little bit more insight into that
2: chilly response. Well, like, two, maybe like two weeks after I found out I was pregnant, so I was probably pregnant for like four to six weeks. And, um, I just started feeling depressed. Like, I just started feeling sad and despondent and just was kind of pulling away from people, which was, like, frustrating because I was like, but I'm pregnant and I've waited, you know, a long time to be pregnant and this is, you know, what I've been waiting for and now I'm pregnant and, yeah, I was just kind of putting that out of my mind, you know, for because it was so early, it was, I didn't, you know, know what, what was going to happen um, like if the if pregnancy it was, was going to be successful. Yeah. So, um, but then yeah, I just also kind of just started getting anxious and sad and depressed. And so that lasted, yeah, it lasted probably like three, three months or more, three and a half months. So just recently I've actually started to kind of come to grips with that I'm pregnant and I'll most likely stay pregnant and... And because of, like, the actions I took to get help is why I feel better. Like, it didn't just go away for me. The the sadness. hmm The depression.
0: Was it something unusual? Was it an anomaly for how you normally feel and just the general ups and downs of life?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I've probably been depressed but not like clinically depressed before but you know a a day or two or and not as severely but I just it got to the point where like it was affecting my day-to-day life and my relationships with people. I thought it was even more odd because I was pregnant and I knew like logically like there was a lot going on in my body and so at first I was like you know I you know to wait it out and it was just a natural part of hormones and stuff, but it didn't go away, like, in the time that, like, you know, it just started, it got worse, and since it was affecting my life so much, like, I needed to do something about it. How was it affecting your life? I just felt... I'm married. I think that was probably the most, like, telling. Like, if I lived by myself... I probably wouldn't, like, have gotten help so quickly, but it was affecting this other person that I lived with, and I was just really, and I was, like, so I was kind of drawing away from my husband, um, which was confusing for him, of course, and um, and then I was, like, just having really negative thinking, and about it was just making me miserable, more or less. I mean, I was, like, functioning. I wasn't, like, sleeping all day. But I was distracted and tired. It was disturbing my sleep and stuff.
1: Annie was suffering from antenatal or prenatal depression, postpartum depression's less well-known sister. It's estimated that prenatal depression affects 7 to 20 percent of pregnant women and, if left untreated, can be a precursor to postpartum depression. Annie didn't know what she was feeling had a name and numbers behind it, but she knew she had to reach out. Um, at first,
2: I I got a recommendation from a friend for a therapist, and so that's what I did first, is call her, and I pretty quickly met with her. And then um, she encouraged me, of course, to talk to my OBGYN which I never really even thought to do, which looking back is weird, but she was really surprised that I hadn't. And so... At my next appointment, I told him, uh, and she encouraged me to talk to him about medication options after she, like, about, you know, like, I told her all my symptoms, she, like, evaluated me and was very certain, like, that I was clinically depressed and that medication would help significantly along with therapy, So I did talk to my doctor and I was really surprised, but he was very just like, oh yeah, like that happens. (laughs) And, And I thought he was gonna be like, kind of confused or ask me like why, or you know, just be more, but he was just kind of like, this is what I normally prescribe at a low dose. And I was concerned about I had already done a little, a little reading about, you know, antidepressants and the effect on pregnancy and the fetus and stuff. And there's, I mean, there's risks, but they're fairly low. And at that point I was pretty desperate to have some change. So I chose to, and he was, you know, I pretty much wanted to know, like, if he had personally seen like multiple women take it and their babies be okay. And he said, yeah, like, with a lot of confidence. So he didn't seem concerned. So So I went and I did start taking an antidepressant, which helped a lot.
0: So you said that you were surprised at his reaction, that he seemed so unsurprised. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that was, that you were so
2: surprised by his familiarity? Because... I didn't even know that. I mean, I knew postpartum depression was definitely, like, a thing and and common or relatively common, but I had never known anyone to get, like... I knew women say they get irritable or, you know, emotional, like, cry a lot, but I had never heard, like... Like, how I was feeling was, like, so extreme to me that, um, we can stop. Yeah. We
0: can stop. I need to.
2: Need to stop.
0: I'm still so in the middle of it, you know.
2: No. No, I can keep going. I mean, it's need a no second. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: felt like something was terribly wrong which like I had made all the decisions in my life up to that point had been wrong which is typical like it it's common in depression and especially like and a lot of times you're also anxious and so yeah it was just I couldn't imagine like anyone else feeling that way I guess so so that's why I was surprised I just didn't know that um, it was a thing like I thought like I had at that time I was so not clearly thinking that. I thought that it was just that I had made tons of wrong decisions and I never should have gotten pregnant and this was just not something I could do I wasn't like built to do this
0: So, when the doctor was so kind of cavalier about it, how did that make you feel?
2: Yeah, it made me feel better, definitely, to know that, like, other people had, like, sought out medication. Because that was another thing. I was like, and I believe if someone else was telling me this, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, you should do what's best for you, too. And, but, like, there's a lot of guilt of, like, what if something did happen? what if something, you know, and there still is, like, I think that's very looked down upon to take some, in a lot of people's minds, I think, to take any sort of anything when you're pregnant or eat a hot dog when you're pregnant or, you know. So that was, it definitely, like, made me feel better.
0: I'm going to take it back just a little bit. Were you expecting like before you'd gotten pregnant were you expecting to feel because it had taken kind of a long time and it had been sort of a journey were you anticipating feeling really happy about
2: it oh yeah because I mean I had cried and been sad I mean not depressed but just sad that I wasn't pregnant for all those months and we had gone through that like of kind of been sad and it taking a long time and the miscarriage and and so yeah i I mean, when I thought about it, when I wasn't pregnant, I was like, "Yeah, like this is absolutely what I want, and I'm gonna be so happy." And and then, you know, when I started going to therapy, it was like, she was kind of like, "Why do you like? Do you think that's logical for like everything you've ever, you know, like for one day that just to all be wrong?" Because in my mind, I was like, "This is a real possibility that maybe." That I've just made, this is just a bad choice. I've made a bad choice. And, you know, she helped me see that. That's not clear, logical thinking, that one day you wake up and all of a sudden you changed everything. Everything has changed around you, but, you know, I don't know. So that doesn't make sense. Like,
0: that everything has been fine and right and all your decisions have been pretty good ones up until one day Mm -hmm. when, like, a switch flips and then... Yeah. You realize it's all you were wrong the yeah. whole time it's yeah. all Topsy-turvy.
1: Annie estimated that her depression lasted about 3 months. When we spoke to her, she said she felt like she was coming out of it and that the medication had helped her to feel better.
2: I feel not like myself for sure. Like like yeah, I just feel normal like I feel like hopeful, like, I look forward to things, which is just, like, nothing, like, when I, during those months, like, nothing, I didn't care about anything, so, yeah, I'm getting excited about having a baby, and about that kind of change, and, I mean, I still, I think I'm still kind of anxious, like, about that it's going to really, I'm going to be pregnant for nine months. Like, I still am a little bit anxious about something going wrong, but I don't think, like, abnormally anxious, like, just, I think, normal worries.
0: One thing that Annie found challenging in those early weeks and months was talking about her pregnancy, because... As anyone who's had a less than completely joyful pregnancy can tell you, people are not always interested in hearing hard answers to the question, How's everything going?
2: Yeah, I mean I definitely had those like I didn't tell anyone I was pregnant for a long I mean not that long, I'm only twenty weeks, but um I didn't have like a strong desire to like tell people because I'd have to pretend to be feeling something. Like, I I knew I couldn't be like, and I'm really depressed, you know? Like, I knew people would, um... Not everyone, but I think most people would be really uncomfortable with that. And I felt, of course, I would be judged. And I think that was hard for my husband, like, because it was, like... That was hard for him to understand, like that, you know, why are you so unhappy? Um, But I did, like, vaguely tell a friend of mine, and then eventually, um, with the encouragement of my therapist, (laughs) um, you and our other sister. Here's where our story starts to split
0: into two. Because when Annie called me, she called me to tell me that she was pregnant, but also to ask a question. Her therapist mentioned that her depression might have a genetic component, and she should ask her mother or her sisters if they had ever experienced similar symptoms. And the answer to that is, yes. I had gone for a run in early January 2011 on a really cold day, cold enough that I got a really terrible case of bronchitis. It wasn't until after I got sick that I found out I was pregnant. And it felt like I just never got better. I had a cough that stuck around for weeks, and like Annie, I was exhausted all the time. I was in graduate school at the time, and it took all of my reserves of energy to haul myself to class so I could sit, zombie-like, staring straight ahead. Winters have always been hard on me, but that one was brutal. It was cold and long and the darkest one I've ever lived through. I happened to read Kay Ryan's poem, Winter Fear, that year. Is it just winter, or is this worse? Is this the year when outer damp obscures a deeper curse that spring can't fix? When gears that turn the earth won't shift the view? When clouds won't lift, though all the skies go blue? It's been five years, which has turned that period into a bit of a blur. I know that I spent a lot of time lying inert on the couch. I know that once I asked James if he thought I was depressed, and he answered very cautiously, maybe... I know that in late February, James practically begged me to go for a Saturday drive to the Hamptons, and it taxed the hell out of me. I have a picture from that drive, and when I look at my warily smiling face, I remember how scared I was, how tired and sad and anxious I was, and how much I hoped I was coming to the end of whatever was happening to me. And I was, more or less. Though I never sought help, my depression followed a timeline similar to Annie's. Throughout that spring, I felt better, though slowly. Even through March and April, I was more emotionally fragile than I've ever been in my life, and I made myself give a wide berth to anything emotionally challenging. By the time summer rolled around, I was fine. I was myself, and this incredibly dark period faded into my past. I started sanitizing this story. When people asked me how my pregnancy was or if I had morning sickness, I would tell them, not really, I just get sad. No one asked any follow-up questions, and I never offered any more information, Not even to Annie, who eventually asked. So when she called me to tell me she was pregnant and couldn't get through the conversation without crying, I felt a weight settle into my stomach. It reminded me of something. But I was just, I mean, I'm not like a terribly emotional person. I don't cry a lot. Um, But just little things, like things that would have... I would have appreciated or would have, you know, um, like I would have felt emotionally, just sort of destroyed me. Like mom sent me, our apartment was really cold. Um, And so I would just spend my days like wrapped up in a blanket. And I was telling mom about that. And she had just knitted herself these fingerless gloves Mm -hmm. to wear in her classroom because her classroom was really cold. And I was like, oh, those sound great. That seems like, you know, she was like, I'll knit you a pair. And then, really soon after, just a few days later, she sent me a package, and I opened it up, and it was the one she had made herself, and it was there was a note that said, I think you need more of these more than I do, <laughs> and I just, like, lost my head. Mm-hmm. I called her to thank her, and I think I really freaked her out, <laughs> because I was just, I mean, like, beside myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Like, when I tell the story about it, like, people would ask, you know, do you get morning sickness? And I would tell them, no, I just get sad. And, like, I, I, remember, I the way I tell the story, I think I wrote it once in my blog, and the way I tell it when I talk to people about it is I say that I was so I was so relieved to find out that I was pregnant and not clinically depressed. Because <laughs> that's kind of what we do, right? When we have stories that are uncomfortable or that have the... Um, potential to make someone else uncomfortable is we kind of joke about them so that it doesn't make anyone uncomfortable mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I remember when you called me and you wanted to know you said I know you mentioned that you were sad and you wanted to know more about that I thought what a disservice I had done by not being more like open or explicit and like I don't know like I can't compare my experience to yours because it was a long time ago Mm -hmm. you know it was four years ago and I don't really remember it and but you know I just like that was something that I could have done for you you know like you could have gone into this and maybe you would have woken up and felt sad but you would have thought I'm not the only one you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. but instead I I made light of my story and I pretended like it wasn't a big deal but it was it was a huge deal
2: I mean, but I did, like, even before I called you, like, I had remembered that you said that. I knew you saying you're sad, like, wasn't the whole story. (laughs) Like, so, I mean, it did help, like, even before I called you. Like, that was definitely in the back of my head. Like, I remember I even told Phil, like, to try to (laughs) make him feel better. Like, you know, like, I think Valerie mentioned this might have happened to her, so maybe I'm not totally crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> stories like this they can feel singularly personal which
0: as we've proven they're not really but apart from the women who have been through what you've been through there's another story here it's the story the partners tell james remembers this time vaguely like i do but when i asked him he described as standing outside of a locked door knocking but getting no answer yeah i mean
2: yeah for me it was like that really like seeing the effect on Phil. hmm Like like really harder than someone else. Yeah. Contributively like, help. This isn't very good for our marriage. <laughs> Therapy for sure helped. But just feeling better. Like not only was I I mean it wasn't as altruistic as like I just wanna protect him. <laughs> but it was like I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't really feel like being affectionate. Like, I, like, it was, it was selfish. Like, I wanted just to, like, lay on the couch and watch New Heart and not be bothered. <laughs> like, you didn't want to feel responsible for his feelings. Yeah. And, um, I knew always that that was not the way to go. Um, but it was, like, such a, it was. Impossible for me. I knew, like, if I couldn't even fake it. Like, it was just not an option. But, yeah, I mean, just um, as I... Even when I was still feeling moderately not great and still kind of withdrawn, like, I was clear. I think the medication made me calm down enough and clear enough to be, like, to be able to make... Choices like, okay, I know this is important for me to talk about, so I'm going to do that. Um, it just made it easier. And then as I continued to feel better, it was not, you know, it was just became natural. It wasn't like an effort because our relationship became more normal. I mean, I mean, it's still, I think he has a little PTSD from it, but I mean, it's becoming...
1: You know more like it always was,
2: yeah,
1: so this last winter, after I had my most traumatic miscarriage, um yeah, I just remember i don't I didn't really ever think that I was really depressed. well, no, that's not quite true i I would think to myself, this is like a shallow depression. Um, But, of course, the longer that it went on, I was, like, (laughs) maybe not not quite so shallow. Um, But I do remember just thinking, like, so Micah and I have, like, a really great relationship normally. And um, part of my sadness was, like, feeling like he didn't understand at all. And, like, he wasn't really there with me. Like, I was really doing this on my own. And, you know, he would talk about, this is the hardest thing that we've ever been through. And I would be like, we? <laughs> we've ever been through? <laughs> like, I don't see you crying every day or whatever. You know, like, mm-hmm. he just wasn't as emotional. But he was really affected by my sadness, but I couldn't see it at all. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it was just... um I mean, once I... Once I got pregnant, that's when like the the depression really lifted for me like i like the second that I found out that I was pregnant, it was kind of like okay we're we're done with this mm-hmm. and, but it's I feel like it has taken me a long time to to um feel like my relationship with Micah is a little bit more normal like I mm-hmm. kind of held on to that distance for longer than I really wanted to.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely did as well. Like, it was not... Even when I started feeling better myself, it was... It took longer for him to trust that I was feeling better mm-hmm. and things were going to get better, and it took longer for me to be... Because in this... In a similar way, I felt like I was going through my depression alone, and that he he had no idea um, what I was going through, and he would try his best to be as supportive, but he took things personally, of course, as everyone would, and so Mm -hmm. I would feel... Yeah, like, he was not really understanding, because if he really understood, he would know that he just needed to be there for me mm-hmm. and not take things personally. And But that's an impossible request to ask of somebody. Like, to have no needs of their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not to react to my coldness with coldness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was similar. That mm-hmm. it definitely took longer. And, I mean, it, things are... A million times better now, but I'm sure it'll continue to be better. Yeah, I mean, I think
0: it, it's just, you know, these are, you know, when you're married to someone, you really are in a lot of ways, in a lot of real ways, very, really, very realistically responsible for their feelings. And I think when you're involved, when you're when you're sad, when you're depressed, when you're, it's. I don't know, I remember just feeling like, I, I can't be accountable for anything else. Like, I, you know, this is enough. Mm-hmm. This is all I can do. <laughs>
2: like, it's enough to get out of bed and come lay on the couch and turn on new art. And I think, you know, to some extent, there has to be some understanding, you know, mm-hmm. on the other side of all that, like... but But, yeah, I think... That maybe, like, that is all I'm going to be able to do today. Or, you know, I can't.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, um, but, yeah, of course, it has to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, like, a, that's a day-to-day thing. Just figuring out, like,
2: yeah.
0: whose needs get met. <laughs> <laughs> Annie had her beautiful baby boy on April 4th. She named him Ari, which, among its many meanings in many languages, means sun-like. Which feels like a nice way to end a story about antenatal depression, which can feel like an unexpected darkness. There are two stories here Annie's story and my own. Maybe there's three if we throw in Lizzie's, six if we add Phil, James, and Micah. But really, there's one. There's just one story, and that's the story of us all. Tell your story. Tell it because it may bring someone comfort. Tell it because it may bring you comfort, even if it's sad, even if it's hard if it's joyful, if it's surprising, and especially if it's ongoing.
1: We like to thank the many people who contribute to Cocoon. Thanks to Ben Howell and Ellen Barnhart for the music. Many continued thanks to Ryan Barnhart. Thanks to Micah Heiselt, who, rumor has it, has actual laser eyes but uses them only for good and never evil. Never. And thanks to you for listening. Feel free to leave a review on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and if you have a story to share, contact us on our website.
0: Many thanks to you for your patience as we work out the King Center schedule, and thanks, as always, for listening.